Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. My guest today on the A-Game Podcast is Trevor Mock. He is the CEO and founder of Carrot.com. Everybody that you know in real estate from the Max Maxwells to all the biggest names on social media, people you've heard of, people you have with six-figure, seven-figure, seven-figure, eight-figure in- income earners, they've been using Carrot for years. I've had a Carrot site. I made money using a Carrot site, and this is the guy behind him. I met him at, uh, again, shout out to Matt Andrews and the Family Mastermind, went up to him, and man, more and more of these people, it's like uh, seeing your heroes on TV, meeting them and having them actually exceed your expectations and uh i was like man i've been using your site for years i've been watching you for years and if you'd ever love to come on the podcast I- i'd love to have you and he was just like yeah man hit me up here's my number let's do it and uh, i'll tell you some other stuff that behind the scenes that people don't get to see that you get to see what people are really about that's a good dude right there he he went above and beyond came in didn't have to do things he did to come in and make sure that uh we had a great show and you guys got a lot of really great information and uh says a lot about him as a person he definitely is a plus in my book, and I, I I vouch for him for sure, personally, professionally at this point. Super good guy. I really think you guys are going to get a lot out of this. The key here is I keep talking about data. When you're looking at changing markets right now, having data is so important. It's it's the gold right now. And because he's got, I think he said, 11,000 different data points for his websites from all the investors across the country, that all funnels through to carrot.com and he gets to literally have all that. So if he gets the data for what some of the top thousands and thousands of investors are paying for, for digital marketing, PPC, all that kind of different stuff, Google ads, he can tell you exactly what's happening, where it's happening, how it's happening. And that's where we break down. So we talk a lot about building a businesses and for all you guys that are doing different stuff, things break. He's he's coined that term. You get to a hundred thousand things break, get to 300,000 things break. Stuff doesn't always go perfect. It's like hitting the mileage on your car. You got to know how to service those things. And this is a guy who's been through each of those processes, hit all those milestones and knows how to expect things ahead of time and then fix them and keep going to get you to the next hurdle and the next hurdle and the next hurdle and help you keep climbing that mountain to success. So we talk about some mindset stuff. We talk about a lot of data points. Stick around for the end. He does some visual stuff on what's happening in the market. Takes you through some of you that are plateauing that are struggling right now. You're definitely going to want to tune into the YouTube. You're going to watch how he talks about getting past those things and and some of the circles that we go through as entrepreneurs. And it's really cool stuff. He's really got systems and names for everything. And especially at the end, he actually breaks down the market cycles and where we are today, how you should be getting the best deals and a ton more. So definitely check it out. See the show notes for all the ways to connect to Trevor. And while you're there, do not forget to go to nicknicknick.com slash links, L-I-N-K-S for all the ways to subscribe to this podcast. So it is free. And the way we keep getting really great guests like Trevor to come on, give up hours of their time and give you guys some of the most game-changing information to make more money and save more time is just to subscribe to the podcast. So when you go to nicknicknick.com slash links, L-I-N-K-S, this podcast is available everywhere, including YouTube. Please subscribe. If you have some time, leave a review, give it five stars. And more importantly, you'll see all the ways to connect with me on social media. I will be posting videos and segments from this. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, all those different places. So wherever it is that you digest your social media, please just make sure you're following. When I do post the clips for this, like it, share it, tag a friend, subscribe. You guys are scrolling on social media all day anyway. Hit the like button, hit the share button, write something on there. Trevor's going to see it. Let him know you like the content. Let him know if you have any questions. Give him your opinion on your market. Ask him some questions about CarrotCamp or Carrot.com. 
That's how they know that you're getting information and you're appreciating the information and it's actually worth your time. So they'll keep coming on. So that is a fee for the show just to interact on social media and subscribe. So I definitely appreciate it. And more importantly, the whole point of this show is that I want to do some real estate with you. So whether you are new, experienced or advanced or whatever level you are, send me a message. If you want to DM me on social media, DM the words real estate so I know to put it to the top of the pile or just shoot me a text message, 516-540-5733, 516 540-5733. Text me the words real estate, and then we can have a conversation for if you want to buy properties from me, if you want to sell properties to me, or if you don't even know what you want to do, maybe you want to partner up or you're not really sure we can work together, but you want to get something going, let's connect. DM me real estate, text me, text me real estate, 516-540-5733. We can get that going. Also, if you want a free checklist, go to www.nicknicknick.com slash Bigger pockets, nicknicknick.com slash bigger pockets for a free checklist for all the ways to bring more value to your buyers if you're a real estate broker, wholesaler, or agent. Thank you so much, you guys, for listening. Thank you so much, Trevor, for being an A plus outstanding human and guest and bringing your A game today. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great day. A game podcast. All right, my guest today is a CEO and entrepreneur and branding expert. He's a real estate investor as well, fighting out of Oregon. He's helped thousands of investors generate millions and millions of dollars in leads and motivated sellers. And he went from building just his first website in 2003 and now has over 50 full-time employees and is generating over $13 million in revenue, which is largely ran through a remotely operated business, which is extremely impressive on top of everything else. His company is extremely well-known. I am sure you have heard of Carrot and has been given many prestigious awards and accolades and is one of the most well-known sites and brands, period, for real estate professionals across the board, all of the biggest names you see on Instagram, on Facebook, all over all these masterminds are all always giving shout outs to Carrot and how they've helped build their business and brands. He's on a mission now to empower and inspire real estate professionals to gain true freedom and make a bigger impact with their business. They have generated over 1.2 million real estate related leads online in the past five years alone. He is also the host of the CarrotCast podcast, husband, father, golfer, mountain biker. I believe he is currently or about to be a birthday boy as well. Please welcome to the A-Game podcast, our guest, Trevor Muck. Dude, man, I, I I need to I need to get your intro that you gave there and give it to my team and bring that to every podcast, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Dude, I'm, I'm so pumped to be on here. Like we were talking, Nick, before we hit record, it's um, like one of the things I get energy from, and, and I think we should, we'll talk about energy uh, on, on this podcast, but is this stuff is like sharing strategy and, and, and sharing story and where, you know, where we struggled, where we fought through those struggles to go from, um, a, a, a spot where we desired for more and now where we have been able to reach many of those dreams. So I'm pleased to be on here, man. I, I, I was saying before, man, I've I've been following you for a long time. I've known you are for a long time. I don't know if I've ever said on this podcast before, but actually I had a carrot site set up. I generated a lead through it and I made six figures on it. So really, <laughs> thank you, sir. I owe you lunch and dinner. I'm happy to give you testimonial at any time. Love it. Yeah, man, it, it's incredible. And uh, one of the things we were talking about before we started recording was you see all these, these guys, especially shout out to Matt Andrews putting on family mm -hmm. mastermind. But, you know, yeah. I saw you there and I was like, man, you got up on stage, you did that awesome thing. And I just asked you to come on the podcast and you were so normal. I'm like, yeah, sure, man. Like send me this message. We'll do that. And I forget sometimes between like all these amazing people I am like blessed to be able to talk to on the UFC fighter side, on the business yeah. side, on the entrepreneur side, you forget that everybody's just a person. And I remember my buddy Ryan Ford, he, he runs another jujitsu podcast and he's like, everybody's just a kid from somewhere. And I think yeah. having people that come on and they see you and they see where you are today mm -hmm. and then they hear the backstory of like, no, man, you started out just like everybody else and you overcame the same stresses and insecurities and obstacles. Yeah. I think it makes everybody feel like they have a chance. And to me, that is 
so huge to give people hope. So for people who aren't familiar with uh, a little bit of the mountains you've climbed, can you give a little bit of a 30,000 foot view of who you are and where you came from? Dude, for, for sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll kind of start where, where we are now and then I'll, I'll rewind back and then we'll dive into wherever, wherever you want to go and wherever the audience is going to get the most value. But uh, yeah, like you said, I run a software company primarily in the real estate investor space. We have about 8,000 customers today. Um, a uh, little over 60 employees. Uh, once we bought the company called Investor Fuse, which is a CRM, and it's been learning a lot there, like how to integrate two companies and how to acquire companies and do creative deals on the business side is very interesting. Um, and uh, and we just hired a COO just recently, a few months ago. And so I'm learning that part of it. Like, how do you really now um, move to the next level with bringing executives around you, which is that kind of 10 million and plus phase, right? But dude, um, it, it it started in college. So I, I started investing in real estate as a junior in college uh, on accident. I, I didn't really aim to do it. I remember showing up to, I went to a little, little college called Oregon Institute of Technology. We would say it's the MIT of Oregon, man, but the or Oregon Institute of Technology. And I got a business degree, which like nothing there. All, all the good degrees were engineers and nurses and stuff. And I got the business degree because I didn't know what else to do. And um, I had a college professor who... Um, it was like, should have been one of the most boring classes in the world, a business law. And he's up there passionately talking about, uh, how he does law and how he uses real estate to build wealth and how he mashes the two together. He's an attorney. And I go, man, if he's that passionate about his work, I want to do exactly what he does. And so that year, uh, that would have been my sophomore year. So I set out to say, I'm going to be an attorney and I'm going to be a real estate investor. And I got 50% of that right. I, <laughs> I flunked both LSATs that I did that I did. I uh, couldn't get into any law school, even the ones where they said like, dude, anybody that's breathing can get waitlisted in this one. I didn't get waitlisted in that one. And that was definitely a humbling experience because, you know, there's times when we have our sights set on something that we think is the path that's going to take us where we want to go. And Sometimes we just get slapped and, and we don't, we don't, we don't know why that path wasn't the path that ended up being laid out in front of us. But for some reason you go, okay, th there's a reason why this happened. Like there's not an accident why everything stacked up against me, why I couldn't go down this path of becoming an attorney. And I'm so grateful that it didn't happen. Um, but bought my first property as a junior in high school or junior in college, no money down, literally Carlton sheet stuff. <laughs> like my dad had the course. It was sitting in his uh, shelf for a while. I was looking at it. He said, you can have it. Um, but if you don't buy a property uh, on uh, using that course within the next year, you've got to pay me 500 bucks. So it was kind of a challenge he gave me. I go, okay, game on. So like the second I made that deal, I had to go buy a property where paying 500 bucks. And I didn't have 500 bucks. I was a college kid. <laughs> Um, so dude, I, uh, long story short, bought the deal for a unit property by the college, no money down owner, carry still on that property today, have hundreds of thousands of dollars in equity. Um, and it cash flows really well. And I kind of took that forward and I said, for me, I'm going to find ways to make real estate work for me long-term to build long-term wealth. But what I really discovered next, I love marketing. Like I, I love psychology. I love being able to, to figure out how can I speak to somebody that has a problem or a challenge, or they have a desire and how do I work to create a solution for them that solves that problem? But now how do I how do I get my message in front of them even better than everyone else? So when they look at it, they go, oh my gosh, I resonate with that person and I want to work with them. So I've taken that mindset through and um, you started five, six, seven companies. Half of them have failed. <laughs> Two of them are eight-figure companies now. Um, one of them makes a couple hundred grand a year on an hour a month of my time and uh, have been able to really... Um, grow through this process. I'll give one last thing. I'll toss it back your way. 
a um, lot of shifts during that time from 2008 when I when I started and graduated college just after that bought my first property in 2004 but then 2008 through pretty much 20 let's say 2014 2015 uh it was a lot of failure and a lot of learning I uh, was getting burnt out in my work big time was wondering if I even wanted to be an entrepreneur uh, you know, started making a hundred thousand or 200,000 a year and just completely miserable and saying like, why is this business that I built actually draining all of my energy out of me? Maybe I should go get a job. And so I made some massive mindset shifts that, um, took, uh, took me where I am today. So we can dive in as deep as you want to in any of those. Yeah. You know, I think you're, you're a very unique podcast guest because you, you have so much of the tech side, which is a whole thing in itself. And then you mm -hmm. have all these other things from the entrepreneurial side and, and the, you know, the decisions you made and, and like just that whole everything happens for a reason stuff. So mm. that's probably why you are a podcast host, but I feel like it can go in a hundred different directions, but you naturally brought up something that I think is very important that I, I had somebody recently, I, I was teaching a class and she came up to me and was like, Hey man, like I just, I'm so scared to get back into real estate. Mm. And I was like, why? And she talked about like years ago, I bought a property and I took a bit of a beating on it and I had X, Y, and Z happen. And I was like, I'm in these masterminds with like thousands of people that are multi, multi, multi millionaires. I just sat with Mark Evans. He was talking about how like everybody has those. Like you get into these rooms and you think that everybody's got the stories of like, well, Trevor just can't lose. Like he touches yeah. everything and it turns into gold and becomes a million dollars. And then I realize that that is the process to success. Mm -hmm. Like kind of what we're talking about here. Yeah. Oh, like I don't care what it is, sports, business, acting, comedians, athletes. Everybody goes through those wins and losses. Mm -hmm. the, the difference is they don't let those define them. They keep going and going and going. So where is your mindset like being somebody that was literally going, I might quit. And I, mm. th the happiness factor of turning down when, when you were going to sell your company off like an insane amount of money. Yep. But that pivot, I think, is an extremely important thing that's happening right now in this market mm. that's going to thin the hurt a little bit, if you will. Yep. yep. But not only on the real estate side, but on the tech side. It's yep. something that like with technology changing faster than ever, you have to always be on the innovative track and, and the update. Like I can't imagine how much stuff you constantly have to go through every yep. six, nine, 12 months with how the world's changing in the mm -hmm. industry and in the real estate side. So I'd love to hear about, first off, how do you keep yourself sane and not get overwhelmed with all the changing <laughs> in technology in the industry? Yeah, dude, the, the change in technology... Um... There's a book I read probably five, six years ago by Simon Sinek uh, called The Infinite Game. And The Infinite Game is such a good book. And, and he does talk about tech in there like Apple and, and uh, Microsoft and a bunch of other types of businesses. But I think one of the challenges that a lot of us have, Nick, is we we look at business and life as a what he calls a finite game. A finite game is like, I'm going to go coach my kid's baseball team right after this podcast. They've got a game today. And that's a finite game. There's defined teams. Okay. These teams are the teams that are going to play the game when they start. Uh, there's defined rules. Those rules don't change during the game. Um, there's a winner and a loser at the end of it. Like literally it's going to end at some point and there's a winner and loser and there's, and there's no swapping out of teams in the middle of the game. Like it's defined players. Right. Um, but the, the thing is we treat business like it's a, like it's a finite game. We treat business like, there's a winner and a loser. Now, there are people who are going to be a little bit ahead and some things a little bit behind, but there's no winner of business. Like you don't die someday and go, I won business. Like I want, you don't die someday and go, I, I won, I won real estate. Like I was the winner. There, there's no winner of real estate, right? There's no winner of business. There's no winner of any of that stuff. And so when, when, when we look at business that way as, as binary X, Y, black, white, 
that either this happens and I win or this happens and I fail. I think that's when we fall into those traps of if we have one failure or two failures, we go, this happened, therefore I must be a failure. This is hard. Let me go do something else. Um, but when you switch over to the infinite game mindset, which is um, it's, it's, there's not defined players. They're going to be coming in and coming out all the time. There's a new business tomorrow that there wasn't here today. It never ends. Uh, and and the, there's no winner and loser in the infinite game. It's all about the journey. It's all about, did we improve and did we learn something? Did we get better today than we were yesterday? And so when I started to, to adopt that mindset unknowingly about 10 years ago, uh, and then really understood it about five years ago, you start to look at the failures and those little dips as just dips, right? It's almost like looking at a stock ticker and there's never a stock ticker that goes like this, a straight line up into the right right? It's always, it always goes like this, but eventually the good ones are going to be up and to the right, but there's a bunch of ups and a bunch of downs. And so what we have to do is realize and recognize that if we want to get there, there's a bunch of ups and a bunch of downs along the way. That's the infinite game. I'm going to learn from those losses. I'm going to get better. I'm going to grow. It helps to grow steadfastness. It helps to grow me, um, my skill set. Uh, it helps me get stronger for the next phase. And so I just started to look at those as that. And I think when, when you adopt that mindset of the infinite game, you care less if you hit this goal, you know, this year or not, you go, that'd be cool to hit it, but you go, what did I learn? And now what do I need to do differently to be able to pivot and adjust? So we get better for the next year. And I think it's the same thing with business and tech is we have to realize and recognize it's always going to be like this. At one point, we're going to be ahead. And at one point we're going to be behind. But as long as we're focusing on the customer and looking at what technology is coming around the corner, how we can leverage it, we, we just have to recognize and realize this is an infinite game. It's never going to end. We're never going to win this game. So as long as we can focus on the customer and serve them so, so well, then we're going to do pretty good. And I think we're going to do just fine to supply the, the revenue that we're going to need for a long, long time. Um, but yeah, infinite game my, mindset's uh, amazing on, on that side of things. And the staying sane part of it, dude, honestly, Um <laughs> For for me, it's like I, I started adopting years ago the mindset of like, I want to force myself to do hard things purposefully so that when the hard things that I don't choose get thrown out, get thrown at me, it's easier to deal with them. And most people, dude, they avoid hard, th hard things like the plague. So if there's anything at all that comes at them, that comes at them that they didn't choose that's hard, they freak out, right? They don't know how to deal with it. They shrivel up. And um, I'm wrapping up 75 hard for the second time here in about a week. Uh, I don't like running, but I did a half marathon on Sunday with my wife and like things like that. You just go, you know what? Sign me up. It's, it's hard. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to struggle through it, but dude, everything else during the workday then is so much easier. So much easier. I love that, man. I, I, my buddy, uh, Ruben was telling me how he goes, you know, my, my baby, every night she goes to bed. And when she wakes up in the morning, she's like an iPhone that powered down. She wakes up with a new feature she's got. Now she can wave. Now she can smile. Now, mm. And I think about that and I go, man, I think that's what happens to me at jiu-jitsu. It's the only time that I am forced to literally be in the moment. Even the times where I'm like, I don't want to go. I got too much stuff going on. I can't yeah. figure out this problem. When I'm forced to reset and, and then I get that reboot, it mm. helps really with that mental clarity and that problem solving. I know you like to do golfing and mountain biking and stuff like that. Does that help you? with your problem solving when you're feeling stuck? Like, how do you get yourself in that problem solving kind of, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to figure this out mindset. Yeah, dude, the, the biggest thing for me, I'm, I'm going to kind of take you to 2012 or so when I had this big mindset shift. Um, in 2012, 
Uh, it was it was shoot four years after starting a company that did did decently well. I mean, we weren't millionaires by any case, any stretch of the imagination. That company that I sold my shares in, I own fifty percent of it, did twenty million dollars this past year. Um, friend Patrick Riddle, he presented at the at the the family mastermind as well. We started that company together, and he's just crushing it now, which is amazing. But um, that that business, we were four years in into it, and I didn't recognize it at that time. But there's something I call the four, the three year turn and burn cycle, right? It's like about every three years, um, we should be refreshing or refueling our vision, our personal vision, where we want to go in life, why, our business vision, where it's going to go, what problem we're trying to solve, what those goals are, and the the initial vision that we have oftentimes when we're starting a company is we're running away from something, right? We're we're running away from a job we don't like or an income ceiling or people telling us that we can't do this thing and we're going to prove them wrong. And usually it's about two to three, two to four years in, you get the you either quit or you get the business figured out. And now you don't have that thing you're running away from anymore. And so then we're in kind of maintenance mode and you start to go, man, I'm starting to get bored or burnt out or um, starting to get distracted and looking at these other things. And then problems start to arise because you get distracted because you don't have that fuel or that vision uh, keeping you moving forward anymore. And what I, what I tell people to do, and then I'll answer your question directly, and what I did in 2012, what, what I tell people to do is at that point, then we need to refresh our vision. We need to refuel that vision for another three years. And whenever I find myself, Nick, getting into a hard challenge like that, that I've got to try to solve, the first thing I do is literally, uh, I don't have it right here in front of me, it's over there. I pick up my, my life vision story. I refresh that my 20 year, 10 year and five year personal life vision story, like my ideal average day, 20 years out, 10 years out and five years out from the second I wake up to the second I go to bed. It's like four or five pages of single space written font story of what that day looks like. I pick that up and I read it and I get refreshed in it and I, and I say, okay, is this still it? Yes, it is. Okay. Let me now use this to guide trying to get through this challenge right now. Cause oftentimes we're so in the weeds of trying to solve the challenge. We need to pull ourselves out of it and ask ourselves, so where do we actually want to go in 20 years, 10 years, five years, the end of this year? So that's the first thing is make sure you're always having clarity on your vision. And if you are getting burnt out, if you're looking and getting distracted at other businesses, if you want to get out of that business or sell it, or you're going to sabotage it on accident, you probably need to refresh the vision. And that's going to help you solve those challenges and get that focus on it. Uh, the next thing though, dude, which this this one is probably the one one of the most intentional things I did in 2012 when I was making this mindset shift from I figured out how to make some money, but I didn't figure out how to make a business that I enjoyed. Right in 2012, I I did not want to wake up to do the work in the business I had created with Patrick. He's an amazing business partner, but I had put myself into the type of work that was draining the crap out of me. It was draining my energy. And so I joined a coaching program called Strategic Coach uh, with Dan, a guy named Dan Sullivan uh, out of Chicago. And um, he's out of Toronto, but he has a, a Chicago office. But um, we went there a few times a year. It's like in the very last session of that year, it finally clicked to me. The gal came up and she said, Trevor, she goes, you having a hard time finding what your unique ability is. You know, that thing that you're amazing at, that you can get paid really well at. And these things you put down, I don't think those are them. And I said, I, I, I believe so too. I, I don't know how to figure this out. And I because I was writing down the things that everyone else said I'm, I was good at. Hey, you're good at writing copy. You're good at marketing. All these things I was technically good at, but they drained my energy. And I'm like, I don't get it. And she said, Trevor, what are the things that when you get done doing them, give you more energy than when you started? 
I go, well, this kind of stuff right here, Nick, I love hopping on, I love talking with smart people and entrepreneurs and interesting people. Um, I love strategy. Like I want to talk strategy. I'll map out your marketing strategy, dude, but I'm gone. Like when it comes down to making the plan and executing the full plan, I want to leave, right? I, I want to leave and have someone else do that. Um, I love working out. I love hanging out with friends. I love creating community. I love connecting with people, I love creating things, creating content, creating products. But when it comes time to actually go execute or maintain any of that, I need to leave because it drains my energy big time. And all of my work in that business with Patrick was me executing. And so once that clicked, I said, I'm going to make the full shift to just focusing on energy. I'm going to stop making my time and my decisions and these challenges that are coming up. I'm going to stop trying to solve them with what's going to make me money, what activities are going to make me money. And I'm only going to say what activities make give me energy. Because if I, if I do more of what gives me energy, um, I'll be happy. And I don't, at that time, I'm like, I don't care how much money comes as long as I've got the energy. Cause I had the money and I didn't have the energy and I was miserable. And so I said, dude, okay. If I draw a line down the middle of the paper and put energy drain, energy give, write down all the things in an average week that drain my energy, right? All the things that drain your energy in life or business that you're currently doing. And then the other side, write all the things that give you energy, including the stuff you're not doing. Okay. Especially the stuff you're not doing because you think you don't have the time for it. And then I'm going to circle the one or two things in the energy drain column every quarter and go, those are the two things that are the biggest pain in my butt right now. Even if they're money makers for you, write down how many hours a week you're spending on them. If they're draining your energy, you should not be doing them. And now the first thing I do, and this is how I once can go back to making those decisions to work through the hard things, is I then go, I need to eliminate things that drain my energy in my life. And I'm going to create a process for that, or I'm going to say it's no longer important in my life. And then I'm going to delegate it to someone. And I'm going to go add that seven hours a week in something that gives me energy. So going to directly answer your question, went in this big old circle, uh, basically, for me to work through those hard things, those challenges that get thrown at us, I have to first know where the heck am I going and why with that vision? If I don't, the decision I could be making might be guiding me in the wrong direction. Number two is then I say, well, why did I even get in this position in the first place? It's probably because I'm spending a bunch of time on things that don't give me energy and that I took my eye off of the ball and that thing happened to us because I was doing things that drained my energy. I was trying to avoid work because of that. So if you're doing the things that give you the energy, you're going to be excited to do the things that will help you avoid a lot of those challenges as they come. Dude, that is an incredible answer. I thought every part of that was gold, man. I was like, just, I was thinking about like all the things I was like, I need to do this tomorrow. I need to wake up. Like it's such, such good information too. And at the end of the day, it's, I look at people and that's why I really love meeting people like you and going to family mastermind because yep. it's people that take things and do stuff with it, where you talk to somebody else and they're so miserable every day. And it's like, well, do this. And like, well, I'm not going to take the time to do that. It's like, yep. well, it'd be miserable. Be miserable mm -hmm. forever. Like you don't want to yep. take a half a day and figure that stuff out. But, you know, I use that analogy too with the, the Robin Williams is like the perfect case scenario where people go, mm -hmm. oh, you got money. And so you, it's like, no, man, there's fulfillment. And then there's achievement. Like you've achieved yep. a lot of stuff, but that doesn't mean as a person, you feel that fulfillment. And that's where that, that fire starts to burn out. And, you know, I think you're a, an amazing case of somebody who always overcomes stuff that I've heard you talk about, like, especially we'll go, we'll kind of pivot to what's happening mm -hmm. in the industry. But oh my goodness, open door and offer pad. My, the iBuyers yeah. have taken over and I heard you go, cool, no problem. Now I'm going to be the mom and pop guy. And I'm going to tell you, like, you just yep. always find a way to like, just change the story and pivot, like you've said. Mm. And I feel like that's why you've been able to get in the business and stay in the business mm. versus the people who are going to come in and go because yep. they don't know how to adapt and pivot. Yep. Dude, let, let's, let's kind of, let's take that, that, that thread there. Cause this applies big time to investors or whoever's listening to this. I don't care if, what you're, what you're doing, whether you're a, a worker at a job and you're trying to find a spouse or like anything. Right. But let's take it from the business perspective. So um, you mentioned the pivot thing. 
And let, let's kind of take it into our businesses, y'all, and what's happening right now in, in the industry, right? So this is probably four or five years ago. Um, I started recording podcasts talking about where I thought the industry was going. And I'm going to kind of paint a picture for everyone on where the industry is going. And we we started talking about this four years ago, where we are now, and then what you guys and gals can do with this knowledge to go grow your business. Um, but the whole thing is within the frame of positioning, right? So positioning is a fancy kind of marketing term that when you're going to create your go-to-market plan and go, hey, we have these goals and we're going to be in real estate and we're going to do wholesaling or I'm going to start a software company or a tire company, whatever it is. Then you have to make your plan to say, well, how are we going to go get that business, right? What are we going to do? Um, part of that, and this is what most real estate investors and agents completely skip, is they skip the positioning and the messaging part. They think that their positioning in the market is just the simple fact that they can buy a property for cash or that they can list your property. That's not positioning, right? That's like trying to say that Walmart and Big O Tires or whatever they both have tires, right? Which is the, the service, but their positioning is completely different. Walmart's probably on price and speed and convenience and big O tires is probably on selection and whatever it is, expertise. And you're going to be able to get more things done here. But real estate investors, wholesalers, flip, flippers, oftentimes they completely mistake the fact that, uh, that they mistake a, a logo for positioning or branding, they mistake uh, the fact that they can do cash, you know, cash offer as their positioning. It's not. So when we talk about positioning, the way that I like to think about it, and this is how you use this in a pivot in a market that's pivoting, we'll talk about what you do with iBuyers, what you do with agents, uh, investors, the whole thing is we have to say and realize, well, if we can get in the mind of a seller in this example, motivated house seller, if we can get in the mind of that person, we have to ask, ask ourselves, like, what does the process look like for them from the second they realize they have a problem? Okay, the second that they lose their job or the second that they discover they inherited a house or the second that XYZ happened, like, what's going through their mind? And we have to ask ourselves, where do they go first? Do they go talk to a person? They go to the internet and Google it. A lot of people go to the internet and Google it first. Um, you know, where do they go? Uh, they usually don't go to Facebook and say, I'm going to go to Facebook and try to find a way, to, a way to sell my house. Like we serve them an ad in front of them that distracts them. They don't go to their mailbox and go, oh my gosh, I hope the mailbox has someone that's looking to buy my house. No, they open the mailbox and they go, oh my gosh, I didn't even know these kind of people existed, right? So uh, we, we have to ask what, what's going through their mind. Now, let's say they do the research and there's three, four, five different solutions for them to, to sell their house to. There's two agents. There's a, there's Billy that's uh, across the street. And then there's aunt, their Aunt Betsy over here who ha has had their license. And there's three investors, two that cold called them. One of those people also sent direct mail, one they just found on the internet, right? So there's these five choices. This is where positioning comes in. Is once someone realizes that you have a basic service that can solve their problem, you sell tires, right, or whatever it is. Now they now they're trying to put in the different boxes. Which one of these five choices is going is going to be the one that I should work with the most? That I trust? That's going to solve my problem well? The whole thing. So when you look at open door offer pad. You have the wholesale market over here, which has been around forever. Any commodity market has a wholesale and retail market. Cars, you go sell your car for wholesale to them. When you trade it in, you buy a car from the lot at retail, right? The same thing happens in real estate. You're going to buy a property from a motivated seller at wholesale. You're going to go sell the property at retail or vice versa. Every commodity market has wholesale and retail. 
What oftentimes happens, Nick, though, is as technology catches up with the change of the market, oftentimes the two sides of the business come together. Okay, so when you look at stocks, when you look at travel, uh, before you had to go to a stockbroker or to a travel agent to book uh, travel, uh, you to book flights or to book hotels in, in Jamaica, and then you had to pick up a phone and call a stockbroker. Technology caught up with the inefficiencies in that market. And all of a sudden now they're like, oh, technology is better. We're going to bring the price, the retail prices down more towards the wholesale prices. And we're going to also make it to where the wholesalers over here are going to have a harder time because we're going to capture more of that, that market and who can, who can uh, go through the retail side of it. And same thing with the travel, right? Now we're able to go to Expedia. I'm able to go to my Amex uh, you know, app or whatever it is and book directly through there, cutting out the travel agent completely because the market's squeezing towards the middle. Those who make the transaction more efficient and more trustworthy with a higher confidence level win. So in real estate, it's a, it's a harder transaction. It's a more complicated transaction. So it's taken longer than travel and stocks, right? And so when, when we started to see technology catch up with that, that's where your open doors and offer pads came in the middle and said, hey, I think that we can offer a better quality experience than the wholesale side of the market's giving to make an offer for cash. But I think we can uh, offer a faster experience and maybe put a little bit more money in the pocket of the seller than an agent. And they kind of came in in the middle. We're going to do it in a professional way, right? Um, They would say that the investors are the fly-by-night and they'd say that the agents don't know what they're doing, basically, right? Which is probably true in some cases on both sides. And so when when we look at where the industry is going is we're forced to go towards the middle. The agent has to be the investor. The investor has to be the agent, I feel. Uh, If you're not, you have to partner with one another. You can't go in as an agent anymore and say, here's my nice pretty listing packet and I can list your property. And that's the only option I've got. You can't go in as a wholesaler and say, I'm going to buy your property at 65, 75, 85% on the dollar. But if you want retail, you're not serious. You're going to be losing so much revenue if you can't go in there and understand the seller well and then position an offer to them that makes sense to solve their problems. That's where people are going to be. That's where people are winning right now. Our most successful clients are pulling out far more revenue and helping far more sellers by solving every problem they have with all with the whole toolbox. So when you talk about positioning, I see a hybrid as a positioning advantage. If I'm in, if I'm in a market and I'm competing against all the agents, I'm going to come in there to say, I can give you a guaranteed offer and I can close on it quickly. And oh, by the way, if you'd rather wait and get full price, then I can also list it for you. If I'm competing against all the wholesalers, I'm going to come in there and market that I can pay more than, I can help put more in your pocket than every other wholesaler in the market because I've got more ways to do so. And so make sure you guys are positioning well for the market ahead, not for the market behind. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesaling, fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Reach out to me on any of my social media channels. You will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. I think that that's really interesting. It almost reminds me of with this podcast, the way that people would ask me like, well, what are you into? And I'd be like, man, like, you know, jujitsu and real estate and all yeah. that. Like, no, you, you got to pick one. You can only do, I'm like, yeah, but like, like Joe Rogan, you're not Joe Rogan. You're not. For years, people are like, well, you, you got to, you can only wholesale, you can't. But I've always 
slowly picked up all these other things like novations or sub twos and all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. And I think exactly what you're saying is that's the stuff where people are like, just get like to master one thing. It's like, yes, but then when everybody else is a black belt in that thing, how do you stick out in that crowd? And I think having more tools, like you're saying, be better equipped is going to get more options and more options are going to give people more reasons to say yes. Yeah, it, it exactly. And I think, I think one of the, one of the ways that people kind of, kind of miss it is, is this. So um, if you're still marketing to the same avatar, right, it's still a motivated seller who in some way, shape or form kind of looks similar, um, then you're just bringing different solutions to the same avatar. So that's a good thing, right? That That's like you being McDonald's, knowing you're marketing to hungry people that want this kind of food, that want it fast, that are okay with the, the health, you know, whatever's in that McDonald's <laughs> food. And they're, they're then going to offer you the different options and say, well, do you want fries with that too? Or here's a salad here. I think they even don't even have salads anymore, but here, here's, the, here's this thing there. But on the podcast side, right? There, there, there's probably a ton of people, dude, who love real estate, who just absolutely love jujitsu and everything else. And you have, you can, you're focusing on an avatar of a person, a person who wants to challenge themselves, man, they, they, they like taking risks. Uh, they're kind of thinking about the entrepreneur side, but man, you know what? They really love that kind of hand-to-hand, just getting down with it kind of a thing. It's like the Andy Frisella crowd. It's the entrepreneur, but the person who wants to really dive in and do really, really hard stuff. It's the Joe Rogan crowd, right? It's very similar, uh, except his isn't the entrepreneur. His is the you know 25 to 45-year-old male who um, is, is interested in uh, just kind of things on the edge a little bit. So yeah, I think as long as the avatar is the same, we're marketing to a seller, then I should bring every tool in the toolbox to solve that seller's problem. Um, if you're marketing to a very specific avatar of an entrepreneur, you should bring every part of you that you love into that uh, because there's a lot of other people who are going to be just like you who might resonate with it. I think that that's such good information. And I really, I, I'm over the years, considering myself less and less of a real estate investor and more and more of a data nerd mm-hmm. because I feel like the... I remember when the pandemic happened, yep. I was I was getting PTSD from the last market crash. And I was like, what do I do? How do I not make a mistake this time? Mm. Let me use social media because that wasn't there last time. You didn't yep. have all these different things. And I got on like one webinar with somebody who was so smart and successful. And they said, this is what you need to do during this pandemic. Mm. And then an hour later, I got another one and they said the exact opposite. And both were like really smart, really successful people. And that's when I realized nobody knows. So the <laughs> exactly. only way... I can really base my business. It can't be on anybody's opinions. I need data and I need facts. And I feel Mm -hmm. like you are in a very unique position with Carrot and working with all these different investors that you have access to data of really what's working and what's not. So I would love to do a deep dive into that. But before we do, I I think it's also important. I've heard you talk, I think you said it at the Family Mastermind about your entrepreneur freedom formula. And Mm -hmm. people people think that all they need to know is what list to pull and that's how Mm -hmm. you're going to make them a million dollars. Yep. And I love the fact that you came on and you talk about like these benchmarks and talk about how things break. I thought that was so mm. well said because I've been looking for the words for that, but it's yep. like everybody, but I bought this beautiful car. Yeah. But at some point it breaks down. Then what do you do? You, you might yep. have to get another car. You might have to go electric, like who mm. knows, but there's different benchmarks and things and everything breaks in businesses. It's how do you fix them? How do you, and you really set that out with a system mm. and, and I loved how you broke it down. So before we jump into the actual technical stuff, I would love cool. for you to go into the freedom formula that you've done for entrepreneurs and yep. talk about how stuff breaks and how you fix it at different levels. Dude, I, I love it. Am I able to share screen? Yeah. And I'll verbalize it as well as possible for those of you on the audio only version. Cause um, you guys are going to want to go to Nick's YouTube channel and watch this guys, because it's going to give you uh, some good good clarity. And I'm going to pull up my iPad here and uh, 
little drawing time with Trevor. Let's see if I can figure this out here. Okay, cool. So diving into this, if, if you guys are not on the YouTube version of it, click the link where, wherever it is, go to Nick's YouTube channel because I, I want to walk you through a couple concepts. So whether you're brand new and just starting uh, in, in your business or you're experienced in it, uh, what, what I discovered, Nick, was over the years, we go through these cycles, right? The second we think we got it figured out, then all of a sudden in a year, 18 months, we're back to that spot where the business sucked us back in. You're starting to not have fun again. You're starting to have your energy energy drained out of you again. And you start to hit what, what I call these pain lines. And um, what I've got in the screen right now, it's kind of like th this these cycles. You've got year one, two, three, four, and so on. And like I said before, we, we are motivated by a vision at the start that is oftentimes running away from something. But what we forget to do is, is about three years in, once, that, once we have overcome that thing, we've hit that revenue milestone that made it so that job that you know, doesn't even matter anymore in the past, then we forget to focus on where are we going? Like, what are we running towards now? And so then we start around that three-year cycle, a three-year mark. We start to feel bored. We start to get burnt out. We start to um, feel like we're a little bit empty inside. We start to not like the business. You start to resent it. You're kind of in maintenance mode in the business. And you go, man, uh, I'm, I'm going to start to look at all these other things that are exciting to be as an entrepreneur because I like starting things. So I'm going to go start a new business or I'm going to get distracted and start to do coaching or do this or whatever. Now, none of those are bad things, right? But the challenge is if we get distracted by this business that's painful because we hit a certain level, and I'll walk you through what those levels are here in a second, guys, because you hit a certain level in the business that you don't know how to grow through right now, and then you go look at this new opportunity, you start a business because you love the startup, that, that business that got you there, whether it's the wholesaling business or you're an agent or whatever it is, is going to start to slowly erode. It's going to start to go down. Okay. And then you're going to be perpetually on this three-year turn and burn cycle. I'm going to start a new thing. I'm going to grow it two, three, four years. I'm going to hit that same pain line again, because I don't know how to grow through that pain line. And then I'm just going to be on this perpetually forever. And I was on that for about six years. And then this wasn't until 2016 after we had started Carrot. Um, and we had probably about a thousand customers and had several thousand uh, uh, real estate investor websites online. I hit one of those pain lines and those pain lines pretty much in business are uh, threes and tens. It's a hundred thousand, 300,000, a million, 3 million, 10 million. Okay. And why is it that those are the pain lines? Well, because they're usually where the, the business structure has to change a little bit uh, at a hundred thousand is probably where you're going to start to, you're making enough money uh, to bring some money in, but you probably still have a full-time job. Maybe most people at that point might still have a full-time job or just left the job maybe, but it's not enough money to go hire someone full-time to work for you. Because you're not willing to take the 100K that you made and, and give 70 of it away to somebody else because you just left your job, right? So it creates this pain line where you go, how do I get my time back? Now, I'm working overtime. How do I actually get ahead? And so the $300,000 pain line, Mark, is you've maybe started to delegate a, some basic tasks with a basic administrative assistant, 100,000, hopefully. Basic list pulling tasks, you know, basic running to the courthouse types of things or, or going through and maybe you have a call center who's taking some of those calls for you. But at 300000 now, you have enough money to maybe start to outsource a few things. But you're going to get completely stuck at 300000 if you don't learn how to delegate tasks. You'll get completely stuck. You'll stall out. And we, we, we've all probably talked with those people who are frustrated as heck, and they're at two seventy five or three hundred or three fifty or maybe even four, but they can't get over 500 They can't get to a million. They're stuck at half a million because they have not figured out how to pull back and look at their business and say, how do I delegate the right things in sales? 
so I can replicate myself to get to a million? How do I create the right processes and delegate the right things in marketing so we have lead flow coming in? And how do I make sure to coach those people well so we can just scale marketing and sales to get over a million dollars of revenue? You can't cross over three million in revenue um, unless you know how to hire leaders who, who can drive results. And you can't uh, really, you'll stall out around the 10 million in revenue if you don't know how to hire independent builders like independent executives who can literally come in and say, get out of the way, Trevor. Like, I got this. We're clear on the goals. Let me take it. And you go do what you need to go do, but I got the rest of this. Uh, and that's a big leap that I've had to make this last year. So you're going to hit those pain lines. And what those people will do is you're going to self-sabotage. You're going to pull back and go, I'm not going to take that phone call because I know that if I do, or if I answer that email that I know I should answer back, it's going to help me close a deal or it's going to help me hire that person. It's going to create more pain. And so we inadvertently stop doing the things that we think are going to create more pain that also helps stall the business out when we do that. Or we're going to sell the company. We're going, we're going to go, man, man, I, this company is becoming a grind right now. And I'm just going to go try to find someone to sell this company. I was having a call with one of our Epic Plan members. It's our highest level program at Carrot where I'm coaching them on these concepts. And um, he's stuck at 450 a year. And he's burnt out. He's like, dude, I'd love to be able to get, us, get someone to run my company for me. I've got this other idea. And I go, I'm, his name is Nick, but I go, Nick, so what's your plan after that? Like, what, what do you, why do you want to do that? And he goes, I don't know. I just feel burnt out. I go, so you're running away from a business that you don't like when you, before you created it, you created the business to run away from something. You just keep running away from stuff. So like, why don't we step into the problem and learn how to grow the skill sets that you need to be a CEO who can grow the business to a million. It's all about skill sets. Every one of these, every one of these phases is a skill set we've got to adopt, a new discipline and habit as a CEO that we've got to adopt. And then it's a process change and a communication change. That's it. And they're all defined at every level. I could walk people through them in detail, but I'll kind of speed through this and we'll dive into the data. But this is what I discovered over the years. Um, and I'll, ver I'll verbalize it for those listening on the audio, but guys go to the YouTube. Is for me, as I have failed a few times in business, um, as I've been fortunate enough to be a part of and grow two eight-figure businesses, um, for me, eight, 10 years ago, this used to probably be something related to money in the middle, right? Like, why am I in business? Well, it's, man, I, I want to grow great income and da-da-da. What I've learned for myself is I want to have a business for freedom and impact. What does freedom mean? Well, it means that I can do what I would like to do. It's the things that give me energy. So freedom for me is I get to do the things that give me energy, right? Impact for me is the work that I'm doing is actually helping people at scale. It, there's a reason why I exist and my company exists and it betters the world when we're here. It gives us a real reason to push through the hard times, right? And so if freedom and impact is the reason I'm in business, I started to look at it and over the years started to piece this together and go, for me, there's three primary nodes to that. There's purpose. I've got to, I've got to have purpose in what I do. For me, uh, there, there's vision within the purpose. Uh, the vision should be exciting to me. It should be the most inspiring story that I've read this entire year is my own personal vision story in my business vision. And it should have a level of impact that is defined. Like we're going to create a real impact program into this. It's built into the fabric of the company. It's not an afterthought. Okay. But this is the part most people think about Nick is that how do I just make money part of it? And I call it the consistent profits part of it. And consistent profits um, consists of, we've got to have a good strategy for our business. Uh, we've got to bake in what I call evergreen. 
Okay, you can do boom and bust marketing all day long, but as soon as text message laws change or whatever it is, bam, you're back in the bust and you've got to get back on that hamster wheel and start to grind away. So we go, well, you get freedom not by being on the hamster wheel, you get freedom by getting off the hamster wheel and going evergreen. How do you put in marketing in place, which is what we do at Carrot, where you get a steady stream of the most motivated sellers, the most motivated buyers coming to you 24 hours a day on an evergreen basis. Build that as your foundation, and then you add leverage to that with your paid marketing, with uh, your scaling, your outbound, and things like that. But I always personally like to have evergreen as my foundation. That creates consistency. I actually then have the freedom to be able to go, man, I pretty much know what my income is going to be like in six months. I can go hire people based on that. If you don't know what your income is going to be like in six months, you will not hire people because you're going to be nervous about what you're committing to. So I always aim for consistency, my income as much as possible. I'd rather have a consistent 20K a month than an inconsistent boom and bust. And sometimes I make 100K a month. Okay. But what happens every time, Nick, is you get this vision you're pumped about. You build this business, you start flipping houses or wholesaling. Uh, you figure out your marketing, it's working. But then I have people coming to me and going, dude, I'm making 100K a month right now. And I am miserable. I'm working 70 hours a week. And I don't have any time to spend with my family. I don't have any time to, to, to spend this money. And I go, well, why'd you get into it in the first place? And I go, man, I got into it because I didn't like my job. I go, okay, what we need to do is we need to go back up here. Let's get clear in your vision. Let's refresh that vision so you're pumped again about where you're going. And that'll help us be clear on how we need to buy back your time. Let's build the right team around you. Let's delegate the right things using that energy audit process I walked you through before. And let's get you through this part because now you have a consistent business that produces revenue. We buy back our time so we can focus on the things that give us energy. And then around that three-year mark again, we're like, dude, we're hitting our purpose and this business fuels our purpose. Let's refresh that, that, that vision every three years so I can be excited about my work again. And then you just sail around this thing again. <laughs> Go, cool. I've got the new vision. I'm pumped about it. What's the strategy for it? What's our go-to-market and marketing? What's the right next thing for me to buy back my time on? How do we bake in the impact at a greater level? And then three years later, you get to refresh again. So... Mic drop, dude. Holy crap. That's dude, incredible this, right there. Yeah, that, that, that for me, dude, is what I'm so passionate about right now. Um, and we can dive into the data for this market and give people some marketing stuff. But no, no, no joke. I get so many people coming to our Carrot Camp events. We've got one of three weeks here in my office and a small group, 15 people. I get so many people coming to our Carrot Camp events that are that person that are, I, I didn't walk through this, but they're they're this person right here. They're the person that's in the hustle and grind mode, okay, that they have some purpose, they like their, their work, that they're enjoying it, they feel it's impacting people. Um, it's consistent enough, but they're working their butts off, and they need to buy back their time and energy. So many people that are in that bucket, dude. And when you're there, you're in hustle and grind, you have, you have impact for, impactful work, and a consistent income, but your business owns you. That's like my mission, dude, is I want to help people have a business that doesn't trap them. Because I truly feel that small business is what's going to change our community. It's not going to be government. And so when we look at small business, we look at where we're going, the problems we're having in this world. I go, dude, there's so many entrepreneurs trapped in their businesses that have no time and no freedom and flexibility to actually go out there and make the impact that they want to make because they don't have these models. Or over here, this is one that's probably on, on the newbies side of it is like, it's a passion project. You love what you're doing, man. You're pumped, you're pumped about it. Uh, you've got a good bit of time because you're trying to figure out how to make it consistent, but you're on an income roller coaster. You, you enjoy your work, but you're on an income roller coaster. It's a passion project. There you need to focus on getting the right strategy and baking in the right marketing and sales, which we can help with that. 
the other one, Nick, then I'll shut up because I just go off on this stuff. The other one is I remember a guy, a client of ours, Keith Sant. Uh, he was at a Carrot Camp event and he's literally hit all of these. His first Carrot Camp event, he was in Hustle and Grind. Second Carrot Camp event, uh, he was in uh, uh, a lifestyle business. And now he's, I think he's more right here in Freedom and Impact. But after we got him out of the Hustle and Grind and he was doing 100K months using Carrot online marketing to get the sellers closed deals as a wholesaler, He's like, dude, I'm working 70 hours a week. Don't have the time. We helped him buy back his time with the right team and adjusted his strategy. He came back going, man, I'm still making 100K a month. I'm working 10 hours a week. I feel empty. I feel completely empty inside. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my time now. And we worked with Keith to bake purpose in there. We're like, what do you love to do, dude? He goes, man, I just spend literally six hours a day talking to Carrot customers, teaching them how to have success. He goes, I love that. doesn't make me any money, but I don't care. I go, what if we just like helped you do that? What if we just helped you talk with care customers all the time? We paid you for it. <laughs> and, uh, and so now he literally does that. And he's got an agency that helps care customers to have success while he's pulling amazing profits on his real estate business. So once you identify where you are here, then you know what you're missing. And then you can use our playbooks to add what you're missing, get, get that mojo back. Dude, that's such great info for just a number of different reasons, but I love what you said about this is the real reason why you won't hire people. I think that that's yep. an amazing thing to share because when people hear that, they're like, you know what, that's actually really what it is. And then mm -hmm. the other thing, what you're showing there, the way you map that out, it's showing you that every level where you think you've made it, you start to hit these obstacles and then there's a tunnel. Yep. But what that shows you is if you stick with it, there is a light at the end of every tunnel mm -hmm. and you can kind of map out that big picture mm -hmm. there. It's like, man, keep going. The gold's in your yep. backyard. So Dude, I that's, that's, that's how I don't go insane when I have the challenge. So going back to your earlier questions, that it's because, you know, it's temporary, right? You know that it's going to make you stronger. And every single time you go around the entrepreneur freedom forming circle, the only way you stop that is when you retire and you're like, I'm done with business. Right. But but if you don't, you're, you're going to keep on going around it, but you're going to be going around it at the next level up rather than a hundred thousand. This time it's going to be 300,000 rather than 300,000. It's going to be a million rather than a million, three million rather than three, 10, rather than 10, 30. And so you just have to learn a new skill set, have a bigger vision, get different people around you and then find ways to make a greater impact. That's outstanding, man. You're, you're crushing it for sure. I know we're real tight on time now. What's your opinion on what's happening in the market and, and where things are headed now, being that you have all the data. Yep. Dude, let, let me share this. So if you guys are not on the YouTube channel, watching the video, once again, uh, go straight to Nick's YouTube channel, subscribe over there, and you're going to get the visual here. But I'm showing the Google Analytics from our account, uh, our Carrot account. So uh, for those of you guys, we haven't really talked about what we do, but I'll give you the context and how we have this data. About 8,000 real estate investors and hybrid agents uh, uh, are, are Carrot customers across 11,000 websites. So pretty much if you Google sell my house fast, insert any city, state in America or Canada, or even some other countries, you're probably going to find between three and eight carrot sites controlling page one in Google in every market. And um, a little over a million leads a year, right out a million leads a year now come through our system. Uh, so we've got the largest stockpile of online generated leads of any single system out there. And when we kind of look at uh, SEO, once again, uh, it's over 50% of the top three ranked websites in the top 225 markets in the, in America for like sell my house fast phrases. Over 50% of the top three are carrot sites. So guys, this isn't coming from a very small pool. This is coming from like the largest pool of one single source that has this data. Okay. 
So what I'm showing on my screen is, is a little over a year of data. This does not include phone calls. Okay. So this is just Google Analytics. This is web form submits. This does not include someone who clicked the button called or, or picked up the phone and called. That's about another, almost double this number. Okay. So when we look at this trend wise over here is users on the left side and conversions, I'll verbalize it for everyone listening uh, on here. But what we're seeing right now, Nick, is what we what I call the shoulder season. OK, the shoulder season means uh, a year ago, there's a lot of demand for people wanting to sell and buy. Interest rates were low. People were seeing prices going up. COVID wasn't really a, a much of a worry anymore. A lot of COVID money in the market still. So people wanting to move and shake and make things happen. There were some houses being built a year ago. Uh, but uh, new building permits took a dive November of last year, and, and we're starting to barely see those come back. And so we're at this big uh, in, you know, impasse where uh, inventories are still low and it's still a challenge. And now we've got interest rates going up, right? So it's just very interesting di dynamic. And so what you see on the left side of users is people who landed on a carrot website. And it's consistently dipped down a little bit over the last fall, which is normal. Okay, normally we see spring numbers start to go up. And then they start to kind of dip down middle of summer down towards the holidays. And then we see a jump right here at the start of the year. And then we see it pick up. And then right around the May, June, we see it to go up all the way through the middle end of summer. Then it does it again. Okay. So we're in a perfect time right now. If you're listening to this live, you guys should be doubling down in your marketing right now, because this is when we see trends of sellers going to the internet to search to sell. Okay. Buyers as well. Um, but what we saw happen was we saw the conversion rates of a website go down towards the start of the year because of inventory issues, because people couldn't find the house, because there was a lot of COVID money and some of the foreclosure moratoriums hadn't lifted at the start of last year even. And now as some of those have started to, to filter through, we're seeing conversion rates on websites go up. So if you're, if you're doing Google ads, uh, this last one to two quarters, you're seeing your click costs and lead costs be down by about 30, 20 to 30%, depending on your market. So you can get leads for 20 to 30% less today on Google ads than you could a year ago. Now here's the gap with it though. Here's, here's the rub with it. Um, I was talking with some of our, our Epic plan member clients. One of them is the biggest home buyer in Baltimore. One of them is a seven figure home buyer in South Florida. And the other one is an almost seven figure, a home buyer in Columbus, Ohio. They all reported Jan, Feb were not great months. They were off months for them. And two of them were coming to me like doing Trevor, we're going to pull back our ad spend. I go, guys, but the data is showing and also where, where the market's showing is conversion rates are up from a click on an ad to a lead, but the conversion rate from lead to deal are down. Um, we, I challenged him like, dude, why do you want to pull back the ad spend? It was mainly because he was getting the lower lower ROI in Jan, Feb, even, even in a part of Q4 last year on his Google ad spend. But here's the trend, Nick, that, that I see. So we're in what, what I call the shoulder market. Okay. The shoulder market is pretty much where, where the market's transitioning from a buyer market to a seller market. And every and, and it was actually the opposite, seller market to a buyer market. But anytime it transitions, you have a shoulder market where there's some activity that kind of locks up. And, and, and there's some sellers in this case that are locked into eight months ago pricing, right? And if they're not crazy, crazy motivated to sell yet, uh, then they're still thinking about Aunt Betsy's you know, house that sold across the street eight months ago for a higher price. But you have the investors who are looking at a lower price. So in that shoulder market, you're still going to have people who have demand to be able to come in and want to buy property. So you can see this data right here where this is actually a lead data. Uh, so no, this, this is user data. So you can see right here around the start of the year, end of the year, your traffic always goes down. This is specific to paid ads. This isn't organic. Okay. So during this time period, 115,000 or so 
uh, sellers came through paid ads only during this time period through our carrot client sites. Traffic starts to go up here, which means your demand is there, but your lead to deal conversion was down. What we started to see in March and even in bigger in bigger in April is we're seeing some of that market normalize now. You're seeing some of the sellers get more realistic to being able to sell at current prices. And we're starting to see some more of the challenges in the economy drive a little bit more motivation, which motivation gets people uh, closer to being realistic about a, a lower price. And uh, with, with Marco, and I can't remember if I mentioned earlier on the podcast, but with Marco, rather than pulling back his ad spend going into April, like he was going to, I said, dude, as long as you're getting an ROI on it, like you're putting in more money, you're putting in money and it's, it's, it's getting um, at least break even on that within 60 to 90 days, keep it going because here's why. That once that snaps back and demand starts to say, okay, I'm going to lower my price now, those people that are staying in front of people are going to be closing those deals. He reports back on that call at the end of April, uh, early May. He's like, dude, 10 deals under contract in April in South Florida. So he went from struggling uh, to close a bunch of deals in Jan, Feb, want to pull back ad spend, locks down 10 under contract. I don't know how many have closed out of that 10, but that guy's a closer. So it's probably a good high percentage of it. So here's some guidance for y'all moving ahead. Dude, and not only that, but th that many in such a competitive market like that. I mean, that's incredible. Dude, he, he, he's crushing it. He's a seven-figure guy, late 20-year-old dude. We've helped him build his team. He, he came into a care camp with a couple of VAs and just kind of struggling. He's working a ton of hours. Uh, and then we've been working with him through our Epic program on getting, a, getting him the right staff. He has an executive assistant now. My EA has been uh, coaching his EA um and having the right processes and growing his evergreen marketing and now adding paid paid ads to it so he's working less making more but what people can do with this is that what, what i want people to recognize and realize is marketing and markets go yeah you know, they run in trends and they run in cycles just like the economy runs in that 10 to 12 year cycle your real estate market is going to run in a cycle too. It's going to be a lot quicker, right? Your marketing cycle runs in cycles. If you're doing direct mail and um, no one in your markets, hardly anyone in your markets using direct mail to get to sellers, your direct mail is going to convert great. But all of a sudden, when everyone starts to hear from all the gurus, direct mail is great, that every, every seller has a stack of postcards. Now direct mail response rates go down. So what do you do? That's a cycle. Then people shift over to cold calling, right? And all of a sudden, oh my gosh, no one's cold calling. It's converting great. Now everyone's getting 42 text messages or phone calls. It converts lower. It's this ebb and flow in cycles, okay? So just be ready and recognize that if a certain marketing method isn't working as well as it was, look for either the next marketing method you can build up if it's outbound, Okay. If it's inbound, like what I'm showing you here, it's likely a seasonality thing and you need to keep the ad spend in front of people. So when they're ready, they come back to you. But man, that's um, such incredible info. And uh, a bunch of the masterminds and stuff I've been in that we're both a part of the key thing that I keep hearing across the board is like, guys, the only risk you have right now is not investing yep. because the people that are staying in line, like how many people jump ship at the beginning of the pandemic and now are like, man, if I just want to, so it's like, man, stay the course while the herd yep. thins, like Stay there, but what I tell everybody is during a transitioning market, millions are made and lost. The difference mm -hmm. is, do you have systems, processes, and data to back that stuff up? And that I feel like is exactly where you come in right now, mm -hmm. is giving people that safety net to make better decisions and make more money. So yep. for people who aren't aware, if they haven't heard at this point, like how you can help them, talk about like what Carrie can actually do, how you're helping investors, Epic, Carrie Camp, all things yep. you got going on. 
I love it, dude. So at, at the core care, it's a software company, right? If you guys were to go Google, sell my house fast, insert any city, state in America, Canada, you're going to find a bunch of carrot sites dominating uh, the top of Google. Uh, more top investors have been moving over to carrot than any other platform out there, including custom sites. And so we're going to help you uh, really dial in your online performance, even if you have a custom site. Uh, um, Tony Javier, uh, a guy that we, we both probably know, he was a Carrot member years ago. He started doing a bunch of um, advanced stuff, and he's a big TV guy. Moved off of Carrot probably six years ago for a custom site. Uh, he's coming back to Carrot right now. We're getting ready to launch his, his Carrot site because of performance. Page speed is insanely fast, your conversion rate, and it's a lot less hassle and lower cost for you. So start there, Carrot.com. But... Uh, dude, the things I'm most passionate about, and these are there, I'm going to give you some free resources, guys. Uh, I'm insanely passionate about these kinds of combos and really talking about entrepreneurship, the pains, the struggles, the working through the different uh, uh, you know cycles, and also really how do we build a business that serves us rather than us serving the business. So the Carrot Cast as my podcast, CarrotCast.com, and uh, check it out on Spotify, Apple, whatever. Um, and then the Epic Program. Like you mentioned, it's brand new. Um, I'm not not here to pitch this, but it's kind of my baby right now. Is we've been helping people so deeply uh, to get leads and build consistent profits and revenue. But what happens is invariably, as people hit the three, the threes or tens in revenue, they hit a hundred thousand, three hundred thousand, million, three million, ten million. Things break, and all too often, I'd have people coming into carrot camps or we'd be on phone calls like we've been talking where they're stressed out about their business. They're not liking their business anymore. They get distracted and they go do something new and they're on this continual turn and burn. I'm like, man, I can help them through that. So uh, if, if I'm just helping them get more leads and deals, but then it ends up helping their business grow so much that it puts them in uh, at the pain line and they don't know how to solve the pain line, you're at 600 grand in revenue and you're stuck and you're not liking your business anymore. And you're, you're not sure how to get to a million. You're not sure how to buy back your time. That's what the Epic program is. So it's a, it's a group coaching format, a um, bunch of seven figure guys in there right now, high to mid six figure guys and gals as well. Um, and we're just getting together. I'm coaching all my frameworks, dude, behind the scenes from how do you scale the business in real estate from the strategy and lead flow? Then how do you buy back your time and build your team correctly? Then how do you bake in passion, purpose, and vision into the business? And all my frameworks, all my templates. And um, we're diving in two to three times a month together, man. So it's it's pretty darn fun. That is awesome, man. Uh, I feel like everybody needs somebody that they can go to that's been through what they've been through. And it's very hard when you start to get to that higher level of stuff and you don't really have anybody that can relate. It's like going to the gym to yep. get in shape, but your gym trainer is like 300 pounds. So yeah. I yeah. can tell that you know your stuff, you're passionate about your stuff and you feel very comfortable in your skin. And I, I think we talked about this a little bit earlier too, but there's plenty of guys that I go to jujitsu and they can kick my butt, but they can't really teach me about how they did it. And yeah. I feel like you have a knack for being able to explain technical things and data mm. in a way that actually keeps it interesting, refreshing, and something you can digest instead of just awesome. like throwing a bunch of stuff out there. So as good as you are at making people money, you're also very talented at explaining mm and breaking it down in a way that people can understand and relate to. So I very much appreciate that as somebody who struggles with that, those types of topics, man. So I think you found your passion. I think you found your niche and I look forward to seeing you on your journey, following all the stuff that you're into, man. So for people that Love also it. want to follow your journey, they want to find out more about using carrot, following you on social yep. media, carrot camps, all things going on with you. What's the best way to yep. connect with you? The best way to find you different social media tags. Yep. Uh, go to Instagram guys. I'm on Instagram every day, answer all my DMs. So it's trevor.mock. That's M-A-U-C-H, trevor.mock. Um, and then as far as carrot camp, carrotcamp.com. It's an event we do twice a year here in the office. The next one's happening in a couple of weeks. It's one of my favorite things, man. Like life's change. 
And I'm so passionate about it. We get up in the mountains, we do a hike, but we do mastermind for two days. A lot of the big guys, you know, Brad Chandler, Max Maxwell, um, tons of big guys, they were paid members at Carrot Camp and it's just such a blast. But um, yeah, the the Epic program, if that's something, if you're doing over 100,000 a year and you guys want to not just grow your lead flow and grow your business, but grow it the right way and have all of my templates and how you make a strategic plan correctly or how you write your vision or how you map out the right ads uh, campaign, but also the connection with these other six and seven figure entrepreneurs on similar journeys, uh, mastermind style, group coaching style, uh, with the stockpile of all my stuff I've created over the last decade as an entrepreneur, stuff I've never shared anywhere. Uh, you literally get to go in there in the Google Drive, grab that worksheet, or grab that spreadsheet, and go bam, put it into your business. Uh, it's just carrot.com forward slash epic. So uh, yeah, I'd love to love to serve anyone I can. That's awesome, man. This has been a pleasure for me. Again, I've been watching you for a long time. I feel like the hair club for men thing. Like I'm not only a customer, I'm also, you know, like I, <laughs> I right, use it. I, I, you know, I've made money with your site and uh, everybody yeah. I talk to at some point has has made money using your site and always just mm -hmm. say great things about you, man. So you're obviously mm -hmm. somebody who brings their A game to absolutely everything they do. This interview has been no different at all. You definitely brought your A game to this one. Any final thoughts before I let you go about your weekend, sir? Dude, I, I, th I think the biggest thing, man, is uh, I'm literally looking at my, at my core values over there on, on our on our wall. And um, anytime there's a market shift like like is happening and there's a lot of pessimism, there's a lot of people who are going to be negative. And uh, I just want to challenge people to be the lighthouse, like be, be a beacon of positivity, be that lighthouse for people that they can look up to just like you're being Nick. And and I think if we had more lighthouses of amazing things, of positivity, not blind positivity, but like positivity and possibility, I think we're going to be able to do some pretty darn special things. So uh, guys, keep following Nick, be that beacon for those around you, bring people up around you, and uh, let's go have some fun, have some fun building, building cool businesses. Mic drop, man. Wise words. I love that. It always is going to be better to be positive than negative every single yep. time, sir. I look forward to seeing you again, hopefully in September at the Family Mastermind. And yep. anything I can do, please keep in touch. Everybody, make sure you see the show notes for all the ways to connect with Trevor. Thank you, sir. Trevor Mock, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great day. Awesome. Thanks, Nick. See y'all.